You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a Y-N or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the Y-N has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the Y-N has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Emilio live in Tennessee. Tim is en route to Milwaukee. I'm thinking that uh, he he got a deal on some Milwaukee power tools or something. Down there. I, thinking, I, w- I wouldn't stop him from going there if if anyone had the chance, man. I second that. He probably is after that new Brad Naylor that hasn't been released yet, and he's just – he's had it. He's just driving down there and dealing with it himself. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it. Everybody's figuring out right now in the chat. They're going, holy cow, what are we doing going live so early? So here's the deal. All right, first of all, last night started coming down. You probably still hear it in the voice. The uh, the weather started getting me, so uh, we popped a couple of NyQuil and crashed out. I don't know. It was It was – Kind of late. I didn't wake up till 11 o'clock, dude. Nice. It was, I woke up and was like, what decade is it? Uh-huh. Is Curly Lambo still coaching? Like, what, what yeah. are we? <laughs> right. So, anyway, that's why we're doing it here in the afternoon. That and the fact that uh, we had to go a little early because we do have a, a good friend of ours. We're going out to celebrate their birthday and, and awesome. grab dinner. So, there you go, man. Good deal. Yeah, happy yeah. life. Mandy happy life. So. Mandy had the house all shaped up when you were, you were out. Mandy was already breakfast. She was working on lunch. I mean, you're, Bro, you missed I, out. I'm usually the first one up in the house. I'm an early bird. Uh-huh. And I rose up and I and I looked up and I was like, "What's the gate doing?" The gate was open. You know, our German shepherds, we don't let them just run the house at night, so right. they're kind of up there with us. And I noticed the gate. I'm like, "Where the?" And I look, look. I was like, "Where's Mandy?" I'm like, I looked at the clock. I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah." It's Lincoln wasn't even there, man. He gave <laughs> up on you too, <laughs> bro. It was hilarious. I was just out of it. So anyway, here we are. With that being said, we got some good stuff uh, scheduled here to talk about. I know Paul Robertson, you you nailed it, dude. You get the prize. Paul Robertson said, <laughs> yeah. Clayton just woke up just a couple hours ago, actually. So um, it is what it is. Every now and again, though, boys, you just gotta you just gotta crash out like that and uh, and uh, and get that sleep in for sure. But uh, PFF PFF Packers tweeted this out, kind of cool. Everybody's starting to notice a little bit more. The Green Bay Packers have five picks inside the top 100 of the 2024 NFL draft with the eyeball emoji. Uh, only the Cardinals have more picks. Goody, the question is, Emilio, is he going to use that capital to climb up? You know, we keep saying trade back as if we could take these picks with us, right? But right. Um, I don't know, man. I just want to make sure that we maximize every opportunity with all the picks we do have. But I, I think – this year, if you really look up at, at the picks we've got and, and how many they're in the top 100, like PFF Packers is talking about, I think this year you got as good a chance as any year as you had in the past of uh, possibly trading up, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, we, we have the capital, so that's the option. And, you know, maybe maybe that's the case. We've been looking this whole time at you know, stay at 25, or we talked about it uh, the other night, you know, uh, trade back. But what if, what if that one, um, you know, blue chip gem falls right to us and we reach just a little bit, go, uh, you know, switch out a couple of picks, go get them. I, 
could be could be the game changer we needed, you know, that uh that jump start. But I think that picture right there, those two, uh, you know, they're that that duo could be elite for some time now. And and it, you know, it's uh it's just starting to see people are just starting to see it, but they've already been turning it out for the past couple of years, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And it, it was it was tough during that stretch early in the season last year when people were calling for LaFleur to be fired. And I was sitting there thinking it may happen. You know, mm-hmm. what the team was playing that bad, and and I was going to be so mad, man, because I, right. just, to be completely honest, I felt like it wasn't a fair shake for Coach Florida had to come in with the youngest team, and you got a first year quarterback, and then just all of a sudden, you know, that's what we reflect is the definition of lame duck, right? You know, like mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers was saying, I didn't want to be a lame duck quarterback, meaning like we're going to build for the future, and then us come out and lose the last couple of years of my of my career. Obviously, it went totally opposite from that. But you kind of felt like that with LaFleur, like, man, that would really suck if, all right, this is obviously a rebuilding year. Um, and, and you know, I think Goody kind of looked at it that way too, or he or else he wouldn't have traded Russell Douglas for a third-round pick. At that time, you know, the team was really struggling. He was probably looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, look, maybe let's just let's just back out here and let's back yeah. up and punt and, and gather some picks and, and try to regroup for next year. You guys know I was against it, Tim. Tim is waiting for that pick. He is waiting for that 91st pick. Is, I know. is it 91? Is Am I thinking right? Yeah, 91. Oh, yeah. Tim's not going to let us forget that. No, that's the truth. If that, if that pick doesn't end up being a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, Tim is going to raise hell. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. So, I mean, I don't think I don't think any of us were excited. I wasn't excited. I wasn't happy about it. And, you know, we all. talked about it for a, an extended period of time, you know, about how we felt and uh, you know, where, where we thought – you know, Rasul could have could have stayed in this. You know, maybe we wouldn't be looking at a corner right now in the draft if we still had yeah. Rasul. You know, we wouldn't be diving into it so early. You know, that wouldn't be the top need, and we, our whole draft board would look completely different. So it's a great you know, point. Um, it's it's really it's really just crazy to see just that one you know one decision week six seven eight whatever it was right before the trade deadline and bam now uh, come April we're looking at this draft completely different. That's a very good point, man. It is it's it's pretty wild how one move can change your whole outlook on everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you still had Sewell and he would have been on the cap for like $9 million, which I think is very reasonable considering how well he played. Right. Um, and, and even it seemed like he got even better when he went to Buffalo, to be honest with you. But if you still have him in the lineup, you're probably just looking for that slot corner. But now That's you're kind of looking sick and back going, you know, what if Kamari Lasseter's there, one of these guys that could play mm-hmm. on the outside because you're still not completely sold on Eric Stokes. It's going to be interesting. That was exactly what I was going to say. If we had if we had Rasul, we'd be set up at Boundary Valentine. Um, you know, Valentine played well. They could you know keep learning from him, keep picking that up, and then you pick up that one slot guy, two, three slot guys who like that safety Vikai. Um, you know, something like that, and just just sort of send it. But we're not we're not at that position. So let's look for a boundary guy or. Um, you know, bust everyone, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. David in the chat says, we ain't anybody's lame duck. Amen, David. Preaching to the choir, my man. That's what I'm talking about. Let's get the banner up there, too. Well, I'm still half asleep. There we go, guys. There's the ticker. <laughs> um, another person that's gotten uh, brought up a lot, and I, I, I'll get to be real. When I do mock drafts, the one position, every year this happens, too, with, with a specific position. There's one position every year, Emilio, where people are the most vocal on whether you took one or you didn't take one at that position in the draft. And that's running back this year. I'm just telling you, it it doesn't matter. If I draft two running backs, it's you're crazy wasting two picks on running backs. If you, if you take one running back, what are you doing? We need two running backs. So it doesn't matter what you do. You kind of, you know, and, and I'm going into this off season. I think you are too. Like AJ Dillon, is not completely written off yet? Right. Like there's a chance he comes back at the right price. Of course, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's going to come down to, what's the market look like for the running backs? If we go off the last two or three years, the market's been really, really down, right? So it, with that being said, let's dive into the market value for A.J. Dillon and, and whether or not it would be worth it to bring him back. I want to talk about the market value first, and then we'll dive into the grades. But uh, essentially on Track, what we've got here is they said that A.J. Dillon, um, calculated market value is three and a half million per year. Okay. It says market value one year, 3.59 million. All right. Um, average salary, you know, 3.5 million NFL ranking 518th. They've got him ranked as the 23rd best running back, according to the calculated market value. Okay. Highest paid equaling, you know, uh, 
best running back, I guess you could say. Right. So what you're going to do is you're going to find comp players. This is how they come up with the fair market value, the, the calculated value, if you will. They've got Ezekiel Elliott, one year, $3 million, right? He signed when he was 28 years old. Um, and keep in mind that A.J. Dillon is 25 years old, okay? So he'll be 26 next football season. Um, they've got uh, Samaji uh, Piran, I think I'm saying that right, Piran. Yeah. Um, two years, $7.5 million. Average salary is $3.7 million. He's 27 years old. they got Damian Harris, who played for the Patriots uh, a couple years ago. I can't remember where he played last year. It might have been Buffalo. Um, one year, $1.7 million. He's 26 years old. Then Gus Edwards, two years. Nine million. That's four point five million per at twenty six years old. So you average those numbers out, and what you come up with is a contract length of one and a half one and a half years at five point three million, with an average salary of three point five million, and uh, the average age in which all those players signed would have been twenty six point eight. Okay. So now, if you slide down to the second part of that. Uh, market value chart for AJ Dillon. What you've got is it says now we'll compare our variable variables uh, and Dillon statistically over the two seasons prior to their signing. In this case, we're analyzing games played percentage, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, fumbles, receptions, and rating. Okay, so you've got Ezekiel Elliott. It kind of breaks down his rating. His rating comes to a seventy point one. And again, this is going by games played percentage at ninety four percent, rushing yards per game at fifty eight. Rushing touchdowns at 0.6. This is per game. Fumbles 0.03. Receptions two. Rating a 70.1. All right. Uh, All right. P. Ryan was 67.5. Damian Harris 81.6. Gus Edwards 76.7. So you average all those numbers out, and amongst those four uh, most comparable players at the running back position for AJ Dillon, what you come out with is an average game play percentage of 93.3. Okay. Rushing yards per game is 43.3. Rushing touchdowns per game is 0.4. Uh, fumbles per game is 0.05. Receptions is 1.45, and your rating is 73.99. A.J. Dillon's numbers would be 100% game play percentage. Okay, Rushing yards per game, 43.5. Uh, rushing touchdowns per game, 0.3. Uh, fumbles per game, 0.04. Receptions, 1.6. And then your rating of 76.4. So, you take the difference there, of course. The, the percentage of change with game play percentage would be 7% um, in the positive. Rushing yards, 0.5. Um, rushing touchdowns per game would be negative 28. Uh, fumbles per game, 20%. And then receptions, 12.4, uh, with a rating of 3.2%. Okay, so your median prime percentage change will be 5.2%. Your average prime percentage change will be 2.46. You come up with a calculated market value for A.J. Dillon. At one year, three point five million dollars. Okay. Now, if you get him on a, if you were to say, you know what, we want to have him for three years and take him up to the age of twenty nine, right? Let's say mm-hmm. they have it that way. This is how you can drive down that average yearly cost. What you could do is you could go one year for three and a half million, right? And, and the plan is for him to get the roster bonus and be on the roster and get that full amount. There could be incentives uh, laced in there as well, obviously. But if you were to look at it like that, and you say, you know what, AJ. Yeah, you can make three and a half million in one year, but what if we gave you a three-year deal, deal worth nine million, and we'll give you four million guaranteed? You're getting right. a better check up front. You're getting a little more security. Although we know that the last year or two of those contracts are kind of fake, it's all about that guaranteed money up front. So it's you know guaranteed money of let's say two and a half million as opposed to four million, and you got a chance to make incentives and stay on the roster for the next three years. That's how you can drive down that average. So if you to, to put that in perspective, if you were to do a three-year deal at three and a half million per, that would come to what ten point five million. You can shave one and a half million dollar off your cap expenses by doing a three-year extension. And oh, by the way, you can still get out of it in the third year. That makes sense for AJ. It's more money up front, and he could get another bite at the apple if you do decide to move on. It makes sense for the Packers because it's going to be a little bit lower cap hit. But nonetheless, the real question is, is he worth $3.5 million? That's what the market says he's worth. It doesn't matter what I think, what Emilio mm-hmm. thinks, or any of the listeners. That's what the market says he's worth. But how would you feel about $3.5 million there, Emilio? Yeah, honestly, 3 and a half straight up is, you know, we're, we're getting on the higher end. I, uh, you know, I really don't want to see it go past four for sure. But the, right. I mean, I, I would – you know, stomach a one year, three and a half, but why not sign them for three more years? You know, at, at least get them lined up for three more years. Um, four, maybe if you want them at 30, you, you, you knock it down. He'd be, you know, we could get him 
maybe two nine, something like that, you know, two five. We can just, you know, keep sort of crunching that down. But it's not like he doesn't produce. You know, he, he's he's always there. He's a hard worker. He's he's a grinder sort of thing. And honestly, the way, you know, our running our running back room is set up, if we had AJ back, you know, you bring back Emmanuel and Aaron Jones, what was wrong with that this year? You know, obviously Aaron Jones is, is getting up there, but um, you know, he's still playing at a high level right now. I I don't think that it would be a bad idea, you know, to try to run it back with the three and then add, you know, one late kind of like we did uh, in that one draft. You know, you add one later on, then you're not having to worry about uh, those mid those mid picks where, you know, maybe Goody finds a, a diamond in the rough tackle or something like that. Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Um, so let's see here. Let's go to the chat. Bryce in the chat says uh, running back has to fall to round four or so. Um, that's me, man. I have a hard time taking a running back within the first three rounds. Now, if you do take one in the first three rounds, obviously what you're saying is, you know what, this is going to be Aaron Jones's replacement in a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. You, you think of that highly of them. If, if you think you can get another, you know, two or three years out of Aaron Jones, which I, I have a hard time believing you could, I want him on the roster regardless. He's just that important to the team, me personally. But if you, if you sign AJ to a three-year extension, right, and you mm-hmm. got Aaron for at least one more year, and you draft one in the fifth to seventh round, then you could potentially strike gold again like you did with Aaron Jones late in the draft with a running back. People forget how late Aaron Jones was drafted, right? And right. a good example is we're sitting here trying to determine is A.J. Dillon worth $3.5 or not? We drafted him in the second round. The reality mm-hmm. is we took Aaron Jones way, way later in the draft, and he's due to make $17 million this year. So yeah. it just shows you right there, you know, you kind of got that precedent already set, don't you, Millie, that you could probably get a good running back late in the draft, right? Definitely. And, and I mean, they're there. They're almost always there. You know, you got that. That's where they're, that's where their bread and butter is 150 to 250. I feel like you find, you know, 30 running back sort of thing. But they, um, you know, I really think we can get away with, you know, running it back, getting getting the running back cheap. They can learn. They can pick up from AJ and Aaron Jones. You know, they, they learn how to play up in, in uh, Green Bay. They don't need to be the workhorse. You know, um, and if we can, you know, wiggle something out, I then you can look at it next year um, yeah, with a right. better picture. Yeah, Bryce in the chat said, I always end up with Braylon Allen. Buddy, <laughs> let me tell you something. 99% of Packer fans are ended up with Braylon with Allen. <laughs> so yeah. um, let's see here. Uh, Prince in the chat said, late third at the earliest for a running back, hoping for three comp picks to add a little trade-up capital. That's a good point there. Um, those comp picks are going to gonna start piling up. We need to do a pod on that really, really soon and kind of see, all right, when can we um, – you know, when, when will we know exactly what those comp picks are? They may already be set, as a matter of fact, but they do matter. I mean, they're a big mm-hmm. deal. When you, it sound, you know, when you get like a six round comp, well, that ain't much, no. But you get you get two six and a seventh. Now all of a sudden, you can flip that into a potential four. Right. right. There's a exactly. lot of things you can do with it. So you got to look at the overall value as opposed to where the picks actually are. That's a good point, Prince. Peter Stone, in the chat said, "I would not mind getting Isaiah Davis in later rounds. A lot of production. All right, Isaiah Davis is his guy. Got it, yep. Peter." Uh, Paul Robertson said, hate to say it, but you could save money by getting a mid to late round uh, running back. You definitely could. I mean, what you're essentially talking about is A.J. Dillon at three and a half million or a rookie fifth rounder at whatever it would be, you know, less than a million. Right. So you, yep. you are shaving that three, three to, you know, basically two and a half million off of the cap is what you would be shaving off. Right. So that that could go a long way. I just I think A.J. is going to test the market and I think there's a good chance he comes back and we get him some we get him closer to three or quite possibly even under three. I think that's the more realistic outcome. Yeah. And over. that would be that would be the ideal outcome. Right. He's already got a key to the city. Why, you know, the, why, why not? Why not just, uh, you know, let him hang out here for a little bit longer. We can revisit it, um, you know, like Aaron Jones age and then we'll go from there. Definitely. Jake Shavink says Aaron Jones and Isaac, uh, Isaac, I'm sorry, Isaac. How do you say that? Guarindo? Guarindo, maybe? Guarindo, yeah. I think Rasheen Ali. Rasheen Ali is one of my, my draft crushes, man. Yeah, the I one like from Marshall. Him. Yes. I yeah. really like Rasheen Ali. I and like that's him. who we picked up in that uh, trade back draft. And, every, and and that's like you were saying earlier, everyone was saying, hey, you know, you got to take a running back. You scroll all the way down, there's one there at the bottom, but then it's, you didn't take it soon enough. So, you know, yeah. you, you can never win with that. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. We'll see, man. We'll see how, uh, how it all unfolds. I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what they do with A.J. Dillon as we move forward, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I uh, like what uh, Prince said here, too. Is And this is kind of my point, too. You know, Taylor and Wilson both undrafted backups. 
and you know they they both showed up and played. Yeah, definitely, so. man. Yeah, good point. Now we look at the PFF grades. You're going okay. We looked at the market value. Where did AJ actually grade out? He graded out 55th. I'm sorry, 35th. 35th on PFF. Okay, he came in at a 75.7. You'll see Aaron Jones up there in the 14 spot. Okay, so 35th suggests he's not a starting running back. Right. Let's be honest. You know, this is if if PFF was the gospel, and we're not saying it is, then it would suggest that he is a solid number two running back, right? And I kind of feel like that's what we've seen, you know. Um, I think he surprised people in the passing game. I know he surprised me. I didn't expect him to be that effective in the passing game. Some of those mm-hmm. wheel routes, you know, down the – you know, kind of getting out wide and, and catching that wheel route and taking it up the sideline, man, those those swing passes, they were working from time to time, and he proved to be kind of that safety valve for Jordan Love as we were trying to get our feet under us there early in the year. Um, so if you were to just look at this – and then look at the market value across the board and everything. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You know, I don't like the idea of paying, quote-unquote, starter money for a backup player, but three and a half is nowhere near starter. It's also nowhere near that minimum. It really, what it comes down to is what we just talked about, and, and you know, this, this kind of confirms it's like, if you can get a back that can produce just as well as A.J. Dillon and get him in the fifth or sixth round and get him for two and a half million less, oh, by the way, he's going to be on a four-year deal, Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that argument. I love AJ Dillon. If if you removed AJ Dillon the person, AJ Dillon the the door the mayor of Door County, AJ Dillon right. Mr. Green Bay, I would say let's just move on. But it's hard because you get attached to these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly it. You know, we're we're also looking at it as a fan, so it's tough. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, that's pull that up real quick. What was that yeah. middle? Um, what was that middle? Uh, so the overall. Is it his running grade and then blocking, then receiving? I don't have it pull up. The, the very first number is his overall grade. Then okay. I think it's running, and then I think it's receiving, I believe is how it goes. Okay, so he had, a 90 and, he had a 90 in receiving? I'm pretty sure. Let me double-check real quick. I don't want to tell you wrong. Yeah. Let me pull the site back up because I'd like to know that too. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, though. But I, I don't hate that. I, don't, I really don't hate that at all. I mean, he's you know one of the six on here that are in the 90s. Um in that uh in that grade so i, I don't hate that if it's blocking of course, of course where i pulled it up this time it's it's not coming up exactly the same either so no, it's actually showing a different layout here let me let me go back to the exact screen i apologize no you're good but i mean like we said we still got aaron jones he's up there uh what's that 80.9 85 running uh 66 and then a 57 i want to say was i want okay, so that was actually that was actually his fumble grade. Fumble grade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Protecting the football. Yeah. Love so it. Sports are different. If you go, if you go by rushing grades, it sort it puts four different ones in there. If you okay. go by position, it'll throw the passing in. But yeah, his receiving grade, I thought he played well. I know he made plays. It doesn't mean he graded out that well. I mean, pretty good for a running back, 68.2. The uh the other one is run blocking, by the way. Got so it. that low number is run blocking. We don't even care about that. I mean, how often are we gonna ask AJ Dillon to run block, right? So right. But, yeah, there you go. So we'll see how it unfolds, man, for sure. 
I think it's uh, I think we got I think he's a chance he ends up in Green Bay. One thing about AJ, and I don't think he cares to be honest with you. They seem like they they do pretty well. He didn't put himself in a good position to negotiate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like the team's like he may leave. They're they're probably sitting back going, this student probably take change. Yeah, they, yeah, they're sitting back. They saw him doing this. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. Hero Billy Bob loves Charlene. And they oh, said, man. my man is stuck here. He's already in the fields. We brought him in in the offseason. He's been training with, you know, with a couple farms up the road, and it's over. He's good to go. Good to go. He ain't going anywhere. Let's see here. Peter Stone says, what do you guys think if we bring back A.J. Dillon, making him uh, a change to fullback, and that way he would not have to put a – we would not have to put a tight end back there. Um, no, because AJ's just not a blocking back, you know, like here's, and you know, you may disagree and it doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong, Peter. Just kind of, this is how my mind is looking at it. What did we ask those H backs to do? We asked them to sift a lot, right? We asked them to pass protect. What's AJ Dillon's strength? I don't think either of those are his strength, right? So you're not putting the player in the best position to be the best version of himself, right? Yeah, am I wrong there, Moo? Do you, you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, no. I my thought when when he asked that would be if we're going to do that, it would he'd have to run the ball a lot more than you know. Um, uh, if if he's if he's in fullback position, we're going to run a lot of traps. You know, it's yeah. it's not going to be he's not going to block you know seven out of eight plays. I, he'd probably run you know three out of the those eight and then you know block five sort of thing. Um, but I like his size as a, as a blocker, you know, if, you know, he can, yeah, he can block if, if we hit the dummies a couple more times, but I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to keep putting him through that when, you know, he's, he's better off, um, running downhill with his pads low. Yeah. People are hearing that and thinking, are they saying he can block? Now we're referencing early in the year when Christian Watson, you know, we were talking about someone in the chat was just dogging Christian Watson. They said, he can't stay healthy. He can't do this. He can't do that. What can he do? And I went, and Emilio says he can block. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of that short you made was great, bro. I was crying because I'm like, do I want to argue with this guy or not? Like this Christian Watson's got got great size. He's mm-hmm. blazing fast when he's when he's been healthy. He's really popped, especially later in the year. I'm like, I don't really want to argue with this guy. And then before I could even say anything, you go, he can block. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. Yeah, Peter Peter agrees with you there too. So let's do this. Let's uh let's hop into some history real quick. Okay. We got to make sure we get out of here on time, or my wife is gonna be extremely mad at me. We can't be late for dinner. Don't wanna so, do not want to yeah. get Mandy upset, please. Oh, you buddy, I'm telling you, she uh she is as you think you think I'm redneck. Whoo! I'm tell you that girl, she uh it comes out of her, man. She's she's from Russian and German descent, like her her grandmother was a Russian immigrant and uh, her grandfather met her um, while he was in the war overseas. And he like literally spotted her and was like, I'm taking her back home with me. And she wanted out of, out of Russia. Right. So they got her back into the country. I say all that because like we, if you were to look at Mandy's family tree, you go, Oh, she's Russian. German. She like him. No, she's a hundred percent redneck. Don't you get it? <laughs> she is from the mountains of Kentucky and she is redneck. I love it too. As as most people when they meet her, they say she's country as cornbread. That's a fact. <laughs> so. All right. With that being said, let's do some history here. We got um, in this episode we're wrapping up the forties. Okay, so this is going to be the last episode. Um, I believe of the four. Or do we get into we're wrapping up the thirties? I think it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, you're going to get into a little bit of Milwaukee talk here, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, Curly Lambeau winning another championship and it's just really cool to see, to kind of go back in time and, and hear how Milwaukee was attached to the Green Bay Packers. And I know I can tell this by the, by the analytics on YouTube, we have a ton of Milwaukee viewers slash listeners. And, um, it's really cool that the people of Milwaukee support the Packers the way they do. Mm-hmm. And this Guys, this happened. This started happening a long time ago. This isn't like recent. Like this, the Milwaukee support. If it hadn't been, and you'll hear you'll hear uh, Bob Harlan talk about this in this in this uh, episode. 
if it hadn't been for the people in Milwaukee, the Packers would have folded way back in the day, way back in the day. And I know the gold package is very controversial nowadays, right? Because it seems like when, you know, the gold package, for those of you who don't may not know, the gold package is set aside so that Milwaukee residents can actually get dibs on Packers tickets so they can go to the game. And that was a deal that they worked out when they stopped when they stopped playing in Milwaukee, it kind of left a sour taste in their mouth, right? The people of Milwaukee, which the last game was there in, in County Stadium, I think, in 1994. So with with how that unfolded, you can go all the way back to the beginning of the Packers and how when they decided to play a championship game in Milwaukee, it pissed off the people in Green Bay. So, like, as the team, as the board of directors, they're sitting – like, they could – they can't mm-hmm. do anything right. Like you're either going to tick off the Green Bay residents who obviously have done stock sale after stock sale, or you're going to tick off Milwaukee, the largest market that supports the Packers. So, just really, really interesting to kind of see, uh, kind of see how it all uh, unfolded there from Milwaukee. Can't please Milwaukee. everyone, right? No, you can't, man. Trust me, I'm married. I know that's true. You, <laughs> you make sure you please. You just do what she wants to do, and she's happy, right? Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Push everything else to the back. Right? <laughs> Way it works. She's probably watching right now. So anyway, here we go. Packers history. Let's hear a little bit about Milwaukee and Curly Lambeau and these uh, these Green Bay Packers back in the day. That year, Curly had drafted uh, Charlie Brock. This would be 1939. I don't think you could find a better football player than Charlie Brock, defensively and offensively. He was really a ball hawk. Uh, he was a very steady player. He, he played center. And he was also a linebacker on the defense. Charlie Brock was as great a pass defender as any linebacker we ever had at Green Bay. He was uncanny if you're smelling a forward pass over the middle. He saved a lot of games for us with his, uh, with his ability to intercept passes and stay, with his, stay in his zone. Big names and big plays simply aren't enough to bring in the money the Packers so desperately need. The league had gotten rid of all its other small town franchises. Serious questions were raised about whether Green Bay was big enough. Teams were now reluctant to come to Green Bay because of the small gates. Curly Lambeau decided to play games in Milwaukee because he thought Green Bay wasn't big enough. The annual NFL owners meeting in 1938. Determined to keep a stronghold in Wisconsin, Packers president Lee Joannes presses owners to extend Green Bay's territorial rights to include Milwaukee. The owner's vote is unanimous. The future seems secure. The fact that they were granted that territory and that Lee Joannis took that impetus was critical to their survival. This little town couldn't support us. We would have lost this team. We needed Milwaukee and they saved us. The idea of expanding the Packers territory may generate cash, but certainly controversy. Curly Lambeau in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal, November 1939. If the Packers host the NFL championship game, it'll be played at State Fair Park in Milwaukee. It will not be played in Green Bay's City Stadium. Curly creates an uproar. 1939 NFL championship game, the first time the Packers actually host a uh, uh, NFL championship game, it's played in Milwaukee. You're finally in a championship game and it's not gonna be played in your city? That did not sit well with a lot of people. That was the fifth of the six championships that they won under Curly Lambeau and they had yet to have a championship game here. Fans approached the Association of Commerce to demand the game be played in Green Bay to no avail. They played in State Fair Park, which was held about 32,000. They added some seats for the championship game, but that brought in a lot more income than if the game had been played in Green Bay. Packers president Lee Joannes explains the rationale. Due to NFL pressure and the fact that the gate could be almost $30,000 greater with increased capacity at State Fair Park. For a team that is perpetually on the precipice of peril, it is hard to argue. We had to be more than just Green Bay. We had to be a state team. If we're just going to stay in Green Bay, we're not going to make it. The Packers dispose of the New York Giants 27 to nothing in Milwaukee. The fans really felt cheated. They were upset with Lambeau. They were upset with Lee Joannes. Despite their fury, 
Thousands of fans gather at the Green Bay Freight Depot to welcome the Packers home. All was forgotten after they won, and Lambeau made a point of thanking them for embracing the players and him again after winning the championship. It's winning it all. Otherwise, we're not going to celebrate it, and I love that. The town went wild. And, of course, Curley was acclaimed, and he was a hero. Lambeau said, It's swell of Green Bay fans to give us such a turnout. We didn't think they would because they were sore about the playoff site. Packers co-founder and his storied team close out the football season with their fifth NFL title. Five uh, championships in that short of time. The prize for the last two of those championships, the Ed Thorpe Memorial Trophy. In 1934, the National Football League renamed its championship trophy, the Ed Thorpe Trophy, in honor of a notable official, a referee named Ed Thorpe. For most of its lifetime, the Thorpe Trophy was mistakenly called the Jim Thorpe Trophy. But it went to the championship team and the Packers won it more than anybody else. Introduced in 1934, it is awarded to the NFL champion until 1969. In all, Lambeau's Packers will win it three times. Success should have been inevitable. You start in the 20s. Their first sponsor, once they join the NFL, Acme Packing goes broke before the first season is over. They get back in it, and then a few years later, the league cuts most of its small-town franchises. Green Bay survives again. Then you've got the Depression. You've got the Packers going into receivership. Those aren't little things, little obstacles to clear. I mean, it was one calamity after another. But when it comes to football, our team on the field can beat your team. The fans have been there. The cast of characters has been incredible. Lambeau, the only coach the team has ever known. 20 years at the helm. They treated you like a man. They knew that you should know what it takes really to be a, a winner. The legacy that he built here with all the championships he had here, the caliber of players he had here. I don't think people realize the impact that, that he had on the game initially, how he changed the game, Curly Lambeau. Whoo, how's it going, man? Um, that wraps up the 30s, obviously. We're going to get into the 40s next where Lambeau tries to regroup and and win a couple more championships. Um, what do you think about that, Emilio? That's a, a little bit of goosebumps. Yeah, a little bit of goosebumps there, man. I, <laughs> how can you not get excited? 20 years, only coach we've known, you know, three trophies home. I mean, we've been blessed. We, we have truly been blessed with this franchise and I, you know, just reliving it as, as it just brings that to the forefront, you know? Yeah. I was talking to a potential advertiser earlier today and um, he was talking about one of the things that he said was like, you know, I, I looked at your channel. I'm like, he's does, he's does an episode every day. Like who's talking Packers every single day this time of the year. And he was excited about it. And I was just like, man, the history, Mm-hmm. Like we've got so much history as an organization. You could you could talk, and he was a big Packer fan. Um, you could talk about Packers. I mean, 365 days a year, and you'll have something to talk about. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to talk about Mount Rushmore's and what you like on your hot dogs, right? Um, we're going to talk food. We'll talk booze and all that good stuff along the way. But um, the fact that you got to build an episode around that is just silly, man. There's just so much to talk about when it comes to the Packers. Um, Doug in the chat says, County Stadium, last stadium where both teams shared the same sideline. That's Imagine wild. that. Imagine that. Both teams on the same sideline. That's I just didn't know that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, let's see here. Prince in the chat says, uh, Chicago having two teams back then. Wonder if they were a threat of one going to Milwaukee if Green Bay didn't lock the market down. See, that's another thing. That's a great point, man. Um, that could have come into play too, Amelia. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, look, we got to keep these people healthy or healthy. We got to keep these people happy because if they decide to start their own team, they'll put us out of business real quick. Right. right. Um, there's just so many things that had to go right for the Packers for them to to continue to exist. Man. And so many things that went wrong that they were able to go get through to, you right. know, to, to get to that point. Definitely. So since we were talking about Milwaukee, we've actually got to play here. Uh, the last the very last game in Milwaukee County Stadium, okay? So this was in 1994. I believe it was December 18th, 1994, if I remember correctly. I may have the date wrong, but it was definitely 1994. And you you guys probably already know which play we're talking about. 
This is one of the famous Brett Favre plays where um, Holmgren told him before the play, hey, listen, it's, you know, it's third and two. The clock was stopped. I think they burned their last timeout. It was a third and two play. They have no timeouts left. There's 21 seconds left. And he says, listen, if it ain't there, just throw it away. You, whatever you do, you cannot run right here. And, of course, Brett being Brett. You know what? Let's just roll the tape. Let's show you here. We got we got the regular TV copy where a young Joe Buck is calling the game, I'm pretty sure. And then we got the radio broadcast of it, too, the local radio broadcast for the Packers. But let's go back and relive this play again. It's from 1994, the very last game at County Stadium in Milwaukee. Brett sends them home, um, smiling from their last game there uh, at the old, old dump of a baseball stadium, from what I understand, man. But here we go. Absolutely awesome. Was that Joe Buck? Am I thinking right? Did that not sound like Joe Buck to you? It could have been. It definitely could have been. I, I just was thinking about what Doug said. I mean, you imagine just after you score a touchdown like that, you're running by, but you're just crisscrossing with all the Falcons. Like as you're getting to the sideline, they're going to their side. You got your side. It's wild. <laughs> it's just crazy. Did Joe Buck call this game? Let's see here. I just asked. Or, yeah, I just asked the old Google machine. Um Oh, yeah, so it was it was definitely him because the title says, did Joe Buck really call this 1994 Brett Favre game-winning touchdown while peeing in a bottle? I remember him talking about that. He, he, had, the, he had the piss in a bottle because, yeah. Couldn't, get, to, out of the, couldn't get out of the booth. Yeah, man. I got you. What's, what were they in there? Pull that back. Can you pull that back up? What is it now? What were they in there? Uh, pull that back up. What was Brett? Brett was under center there with single back there, and just he just decided to ace look. I don't know. Hey, let's do this. Let's show the uh, let's show the radio broadcast, so we might have a little chalk talk queued up. Here. here we go. Favre goes straight back in the pocket. Favre looking now. Favre running to the right. Favre is on the run. Favre is down the sidelines. Favre touchdown. Oh. He dived. He knew at the top of his drop. Oh. He knew he knew immediately at the top of his drop. Um, he heard running. He heard running the headset and said, "All right." He said, no, don't run. <laughs> exactly. And look at this. I got a couple screen grabs here, too. Look at this. Wow. Look at that shot right there, bro. That is why. That's a guy just sacrificing the body. You think his teammates didn't love him, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing, too. Like, when you when you lay your, your body out there on the line like that, your teammates are going back to the huddle like, all right, now I got to do something, you know? Like, right. it, when you see – you know, think of it in direct contrast to a quarterback who – Who's you know not willing to take a hit and run for some extra yards, just throw the ball away, and then come back to the the huddle screaming at his lineman or screaming at a wide receiver, right? And then you got something like this where it's like, all right, if he's willing to do that, then I've got to up my game. I've got to be willing to to make a sacrifice too. You know, Jordan earlier this year, Jordan Love, perfect example. Remember when uh, Matt Lafleur got onto him because he didn't slide? It might have been the it was either the Saints game or the Falcons game, and he yeah. came to the sideline. He said, "What are you doing? Why didn't you slide?" And he said. I felt like we needed some juice. That's what he said. I felt like we needed some juice. That's a, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. That is, football. That Look is, at that shot right there. That, that shows you how far he dove. Like that's yeah. <laughs> oh, he left he left from the four yard line easy. Yeah. Absolutely wild, man. But oh, that yeah. you that is the truth, though. I mean, a spark and juice is a real thing in a game. Any any sport, honestly. Yeah. Doug, Doug's talking about Paul. I think Paul said he was at that game. No, mm-hmm. oh, Doug said that he was at the game. He was at the game. Got you. Doug said, yeah. Paul, grandstand at the 20 yard line, 80 yards away from Favre's goal line. <laughs> there wow. you go. One of the, you know, when you're on the opposite end like that, too, you're going, Did he get in? Did he get mm-hmm. in? Waiting for the crowd to react, right? 
No, he was screaming though. We heard Doug. We heard him in. We heard him in the video. He was absolutely. Peter Stone said, "I love it," and against the team that drafted him, best revenge ever. That's a very good point. You know, the team that that's kind of moved on from him, right? Traded him for a first round pick. Good stuff. You know what? Let's do it, Emilio. You ready to get into a little chalk talk? You want to break it down? I was hoping. I was hoping you had it dialed up. (laughs) Here we go, man. So here's what you got. You you kind of called it there too. Going, what were they in a little ace there? What was that? So they were in twelve. You can see this, right? Yep. All right, we're in 12 ace. We're going to run a play called 12 ace drive, Y pivot, Z fade, T swing. Now, first of all, I think it's actually X nasty, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Now, if you look up here, you see the numbers. You've got the X receivers inside the numbers. Now, why is he the X? I personally think this is your Y right here, right? could be Chamora, could be Chewy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're in a 12 personnel, right? That's the 12 personnel that we're talking about. You've got one running back. Two tight ends. That's yep. you know one and two. All right, so it's twelve ace single back set. That's just a one syllable word for single back. And then we're gonna go drive. What's a drive concept? A drive concept is really simple. It's where your first receiver, your number one. This would be this would be considered your number one receiver. That would be your number two on that side. Here's mm-hmm. your number one. Here's your number two. Okay, so you go from the outside in as far as numbering the receivers. This is how defenses communicate and identify who's covering who. Like, for instance, this backer may be saying, hey, look, I've got the two. You take the one. Right. That's what that's what that means. You're just counting it from the outside in. So with that being said, you've got drive. All right. A drive concept is when your one receiver will run a short drag across the across the field. Okay, a little shallow cross. And then the number two will actually run a dig over top of it. Similar to slot cross. You guys know slot cross is the crosser with the backside dig, mm-hmm. right? This is your short drag, your shallow cross with a dig off the backside. Now, why pivot? What's why pivot? What why is going to do is he's going to kind of work the middle of the field a little bit, and then he's going to pivot and come back in this direction, okay? So you see they're trying to get the defense flowing in one direction. They're trying to give Brett multiple angles to attack at. Right, and now, levels, right, so that he can, he can work. He can work close, middle, deep. You, this is very, very simple to a levels play, a levels yep. concept. The only difference is the one is going underneath and the two is over top. I think levels might be the one over top and the two underneath. I could be wrong. I'd have to look at the, the tree. But I'm pretty sure out here what they were trying to ask, I think this might have been Robert Brooks in the Z. What they were trying to ask him to do is just kind of work a fade, like a nine fade, get to the back line and give another option along the back line as these guys are kind of working at different levels. right? Gotcha. And then you've got the T swing, of course. Uh, the T is just going to swing out. I think he swings up top, yeah. So he's just going to swing out here on a, on a, on a swing pass. Mm-hmm. And that's 12 ace. I think it could be 12 ace, nasty X, drive, Y pivot, Z fade, T swing. We're going to do it at 50%. Let's roll it. And I want you to you guys to pay attention to what Emilio was saying. As soon as he snaps the ball, they're in a too high shell too, okay? So yeah. Brett knows right off the bat the fact that they're playing too high, a too high look. It's going to be hard to hit that. Those different uh, those different angles up there up top with the drive and, and what we could, some would consider a levels concept. So immediately, as soon as he snaps back, he looks at the safety. Watch him; he's just going to roll. Watch him. Let's yep. get out of here real quick. <laughs> Not worth it. Yep. And again, here, here you come across. You're going to see right here coming in the frame is the Y. There's the Y pivot up top right there. See how he pivoted back around. You got the yep. other guy working himself across the field as well, right? Over off the screen in the very back corner of the end zone, you got your Z that's kind of sitting back there in that corner. And then, of course, you've got another the, – the other guy, the shallow, already cleared. I'm going to roll it back real quick and show you. Watch the shallow up top, okay? Watch mm-hmm. the, the X right here. You and look how, look how close those linebackers are, too, in that 4-3. I mean, they're, they are a yard off off the back of the, you know, the D lineman. That is – it's essentially a what a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven man front here. Yeah. You know, right. like they, they might as well be mugging up mm-hmm. front. But again, watch watch the shallow, see him get underneath. Yep. The other guy so kind of bends it out too. He does a good job trying to get that that uh that that safety to kind of bend out with him there. And then Brett rolls out, sees it right here. He knows I'm just gonna take this thing in. Let's give it a shot. I love how he almost gets clipped from behind here. Look. Uh oh. Look at look at the ankle. Watch him kind of stumble. <laughs> yeah, so he did. Yeah, he he leapt from what's that four and a half. Yeah, he, he couldn't take another step. He had to commit. Right, right. 
and then defies gravity into the end zone. You love it, man. Roll, roll that back one more time for me, please. Just watch the center on this one. My man, he thought he thought they were running the annexation of Puerto Rico, and he didn't get <laughs> he didn't get the call. My man sits. All right. Uh, yeah, what is he doing? <laughs> let me just. I'm gonna I'm gonna clear a window so Brett can see over me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last thing I want is the football. Since I'm not gonna block anybody, let's make sure the football doesn't hit me in the back of the helmet. Right. That's that's and, the number and one. And he sees him take off and just oh, him. <laughs> now we're in trouble. <laughs> what the hell is he doing? I'm glad you pointed it out. I love chalk talk, man. This dude right here, I would love to have been in the film room. Yeah. On Monday morning <laughs> when they when they showed him this and went, hey, uh, Bob, what, what what were you doing? You're supposed to get a hand on someone, you know. <laughs> That is hilarious, dude. Look at him. Just for how long he sat there, too. He committed. Now he looks like, what's going on, guys? Why are they running this way? Uh oh. Oh, that's gold, man. I'm glad you pointed it out. Again, the trip is what gets me. That stumble. He had to hurl himself in. Love it. That was Mickens there, number 88. There's there's Chewy, Mark Chamora. There's Robert Brooks. (laughs) Yeah. God, Marty. That's that's a whole lot of of poundage there. Uh huh. We don't get we don't get too many of those pileups anymore. You only got the thirty seconds to get it off and get the kicking team back on. No doubt. Here, this might give you a good look. Well, you can't get a real good look at the other sideline. No, there's nobody on this sideline right here, right? No, that's probably that's that's crazy. Look at that. And then Doug was saying this. Uh, they lost money every time they played there because the uh, the league mandated discounts for all those obstructed views. If when you when you wow. rolled that back, man, look at that stadium. It's a double decker, and yeah. and half of them are way back you know yeah well, can you imagine crazy. trying to watch the game from here right like that and and that i think that's where our boy doug was right yeah yep, doug, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right there's doug yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh man I, I love watching these old tapes too especially when it's on fox and stuff look at them they still ain't let them up off the ground yet mm-hmm. yeah was that frankie winners number 50 i think it was winners wasn't it but he gets in on the pile up he saved yeah. all the energy <laughs> That's right. He said, you got to save the energy for the celebration, boys. I wonder right, what he told Brett right there. I wonder what he told Brett because he whispered something in his ear. I think he said, hey. I think he said right here, he said, hey, man, I didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at in film, but it was oh, worth it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely worth it, man. Yeah, Doug yeah. said, yep, that's where, that, that was my view. I love, I'm glad we got to break that one down, man. God, dude, chop talk. It's my favorite thing about this show. The listeners probably hate it. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. It's just the only reason I do the podcast anymore, just to be able to talk a little ball like that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so you said it was Doug. It said that, right? Hello, yeah. But the Packers lost money every time they played at County Stadium due to league-mandated discounts for all the obstructed uh, view seats. Crazy. You know, I went to Wrigley Field. I've been to Wrigley Field once. I had to see it and uh, and went up there, and we had some decent tickets, what I thought was decent tickets. We sit down. I'm not BSing. There was a poll. Right in front of me, bro. And I, I remember we got the tickets. I was like, hey, damn, man, we got good tickets. I'm thinking, I can't believe these are available. Now I knew why. Yeah. I got up there and there was this huge poll sitting the whole game. I'm going, trying to watch the game. And there was the other thing, too. I remember looking up and they had nets underneath the overhang where it was catching concrete that was falling down so it wouldn't land on people. Bro, it was wild, man. Absolutely wild. Yeah, Clayton walked in there and he thought he, thought he had great seats. That's then what he said. Gets a pull. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. It was cool though. That was a lot of fun going to Wrigley, and uh, that's the other thing too is seeing some of these old football games being played at Wrigley back in the day. Yeah, you talk about history. Whether you like the Cubs or not, you know, I'm not a I'm not a Cubs fan, you know, but um, the history that took place there, Babe Ruth's called shot. All the, you know, it sounds like the Packers played there pretty consistently from time mm-hmm. to time. Wrigley Field was kind of a spot, you know. So uh, yeah. Yeah, Doug said he was in the upper grandstand. Love it. Um, Paul Robertson, weren't sellouts, uh, though, only televised back then. You know, there was a rule here recently, man. It was like, I mean, it was, you know, what, five, ten years ago that if a team didn't sell out the stadium, then they wouldn't play it on TV in the local market. I was like, man, that's that's just why they call it blacked out, right? I believe that's what it's called. So, wow. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, Doug said, think that's winners. He didn't want to go downfield as far past the ball. No, nobody's asking him to go downfield. We're just asking him to get in somebody's way, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, right? It's like as soon as everyone left, you could at least, like, peel back and try to chip yeah. or something. Right. Kind of. And just held it. it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Let's see here. Steven in the chat said, hate to say it, 
Uh, but who was the last great back out of Wisconsin? Oh no, you're gonna get us all in trouble. Uh -oh. Seems they get used uh, get used hard in college and burn out quickly. Um, who was it? Think about it. There was one recently. Mm, I remember someone. Is it Paul? Paul was on the Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. There you go. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's that's that's the one I was trying to think of because I remember when he was holding out for a contract, they mentioned he was from Wisconsin. I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know he played at Wisconsin. So. Yeah, he's pretty solid. I remember back in the day, uh, who else was there? Was there someone – am I thinking right? Did Ron Dane play for Wisconsin? Am I thinking right? Maybe. Might have been like a Heisman candidate. Somebody in the chat confirmed that for me so I don't have to fire up the Google machine. I think I think Ron Dane played at Wisconsin. I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I agree, Paul. Uh, Jonathan Taylor doing well in Indy for sure. There you go, Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Gordon had some nice seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ron Dane did play at Wisconsin. I was thinking it. I was thinking there was like a two-headed back there at one point. Melvin Gordon was good coming out of college. He played really well first couple of years there. Yeah, there, there you go. Ron Dane played for Wisconsin, drafted by the Giants. There you go. Everybody, See, that's why listeners keeping us on track. Telling we need you. all the help we can get. <laughs> Bro, nobody's steering this ship. We're just kind of in the water out here floating around. But uh -huh. I love it, though, dude. I like the offseason because you don't feel – I was under a lot of stress during the season. I ain't going to lie. Like, not that podcasting is like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, it's not like that. It's just, how are we going to cover everything? Mm -hmm. So much to talk about. And it was, and you had to pick and choose what you had to talk about. I like that the offseason is a little more relaxed and we can just dig into stuff like this. So oh. it'll be over soon, though. We'll be looking up and it'll be crunch for time again. So mm -hmm. what we need is just more shows. We need more shows what we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Live three times a day. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. Anyway. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. I know it was kind of a surprise podcast. I apologize um, for uh, kind of springing it on everyone, but I found out last last second. And what that means is Mandy told me three times I wasn't listening. Mm -hmm. so now I'm, I'm last. You weren't listening until the fourth time. And exactly. then you said, uh-oh. Exactly. She's got to stay persistent, man. I, I, I got to, she's got to do better than that. You got to, you got to tell me at least four times. So, um, so yeah, that's why we went early, uh, went live early here. So, uh, there you go. We should be back tomorrow morning for good morning Lambo. That's the plan anyway. So we will see you guys then. Emilio, you got anything before we wrap up, man? No, I don't think so, man. I'm glad we got another one in. Uh, let's, uh, I want, I want to see what, you know, the chat says, uh, afterwards on those running backs. I really think, you know, we, we can wiggle something out with, uh, AJ, but, uh, let's see what everyone else thinks. And, I'm excited, man. Glad we got through the 30s. I'm excited to see the 40s and beyond with the history, too. Yeah. If you can get him under three per year, sign me up. I'm on board. Yeah. I think he's worth that. I do. And do you don't do you care the years? Are are you would you be fives too many, fours too much? What yeah, I think three is a sweet spot. Three, yeah. I, I would cap it at three, me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, no more than three. I could see one, I can understand the benefit for both sides. Like it gives AJ Dillon a year to prove his worth and then try to get a bigger contract. Um, it also the Packers just saying, hey, just a one year, just kind of slap a band-aid on it, get to the next season. I can see that too. But for me, I think I think that sweet spot will be three years. That way right. he's 29 yeah. years old when it expires. You can actually cut bait at 28 if for some reason he does get some wear and tear before then. Mm -hmm. I hate speaking about players like they're just like their property. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't feel right talking, but that is the business of football, right? You you do kind of look at that. I remember people last year saying, I think Ryan said, like, you know, with Aaron Jones, he's already older. Let's just wear all the wear off the tires. Let's get mm -hmm. it like, oh, man, it sounds cruel, but he's so right. Like, right. It's yeah, like yeah. you're you, you got the brake pads and you're already past the screamers, but like <laughs> you might as well just let it run till the end of the year. You'll you'll get to it, sort of thing. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's true though. You you know you're talking about you know human beings like that, but the, but it's a, it's the sport we love. You know, definitely. Chris in the chat said James Watt was on New England for a long time. Huge player too. Played a played a crucial role in that. I'm pretty sure it was the the Super Bowl victory over the Falcons, the big comeback. I think James Watt might have been might have been the player of the game there. I know there was one year that he really dominated the playoffs, especially in the passing game. He's very, very, very uh, valuable there. Mm -hmm. Peter Stone says, see y'all tomorrow. Thanks for doing one today. You guys give us great information and a good laugh. Uh, we all thank you guys for what you do. We thank you, Peter. Thank you for being in here. Uh, show's better because you're in the chat, man. I promise you that. But We're out of here. Yeah. The only other one I saw real quick was Chris uh, said, uh, looks like Matt LaFleur speaking 245 tomorrow and Halfley at three. So Ooh, let's go. We get our first half of the press conference. Ears to the floor go. for that. So tomorrow night, 
We'll be uh, we'll be recapping what they said, and maybe we'll get us a little information. Who knows? Maybe some maybe something else will happen between now and then with a restructure or something. But uh, we'll uh, we'll try to do a show in the morning for Good Morning Lambo, and then we'll be back definitely tomorrow night to uh, to kind of recap the uh, the press conference there. But thank nice. y'all for bringing that information. So we're out of here. We'll see y'all tomorrow. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go pack, go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, our Y end or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. Get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. Y end has the linebacker taken out. Cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker in. He comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we're trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.